Thanks be to God indeed, and thank you for such a warm welcome back to Asbury Theological Seminary. I have not been hugged so much in a very long time. Yesterday, my mom and dad were here to see me receive the Stanger Preaching Award, and as they debated whether or not to come yesterday or today, they decided to come yesterday because, as my dad put it, we can see you preach anytime, but we've never seen you get an award for it. (laughs) While they were here, my mom asked me, "Uh, has it been good to be back? And I said, whether I like it or not, whether I want to admit it or not, Wilmore, Kentucky will always be somewhat of a home for me. I spent eight years of my life here on both sides of the street. And so much growth and formation and transformation and preparation took place in those eight years. And it's good to be with you today treasured friends who have journeyed with me through that process, through the good times and the not-so-good times, and to also be among new friends, some of whom I've not even met yet. And now I would invite us to open our hearts and our minds to receive the word which the Holy Spirit longs for us to hear this day. And I know that as we open ourselves, that the Holy Spirit will not disappoint us. So I invite you to pray with me and for me. And now, Holy One, I pray that you would take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and love your world through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are, 40 days after our Easter celebrations, which, if you haven't figured out by now, is Ascension Day, the day in which we commemorate that line in our creed which tells us Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. Now, I don't know about you, But in the church tradition I grew up in, I cannot remember hearing one sermon, one Bible study, one vacation Bible school lesson, one Sunday school lesson that taught me the story of the Ascension. Of course, we celebrated Easter every year, and we even celebrated Pentecost too, but somehow the Ascension kind of got lost in all of the excitement. Even now that I've been a part of more liturgical traditions where the church calendar is observed and the lectionary is followed, I still cannot remember one service, one sermon dedicated to the ascension. All too often, I'm afraid it seems as if the day Jesus ascends, descends to the lowest rungs of our liturgical priorities. Should we really be all that surprised? We heard the story. We heard the account. We heard the narrative, which Taylor so beautifully read. It's weird. And we're left to wonder, what in the world are we supposed to do with this 
story, this event. In some final sermon preparation this morning, also known as checking Facebook, I logged on and saw many people post about the ascension, artwork, scripture quotes, but none of them could tell me why it is important, how it happened, what it was like, and what it means. Perhaps you also struggle to understand exactly what the ascension is about. If you do, then know that you are in good company. Artists, preachers, theologians, scholars, and even scientists have struggled to understand what the ascension means fully. Now, if we're going to be in camps like Carl Sagan, the late esteemed astrophysicist, Jesus is still en route. If Jesus left this earth traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, Jesus has not even left our galaxy. And he still has billions and billions of other galaxies to pass through in our ever-expanding cosmos. If we take a more artistic approach, then perhaps we have to see Jesus suspended midair with his feet dangling underneath the clouds. The disciples look up with mixed emotions. Peter looks angry. Um, Excuse me, I thought we were in the middle of something here. Thomas is standing there, his mouth hanging open in stunned disbelief. Levi Matthew looks terrified. Now imagine you were one of the disciples standing there that day. You have followed this rabbi for the last three years. Giving him your life, you watched him die on a cross, and yet you felt that new hope reborn when you experienced his resurrection presence. And just when things looked like they were getting back to normal, he's gone. He launches off of this planet like a NASA space shuttle. It's hard to wrap our minds around. It's hard to understand. And interpreters have done everything from literalize it to demythologize it. But more so than the struggle to understand the ascension comes the struggle to celebrate it. Is the ascension really something we want to celebrate? Barbara Brown Taylor has observed Ascension Day has never been really considered a high holy day. Hallmark hasn't picked it up. We don't send each other Ascension Day cards. We don't exchange presents. We don't even go around wishing each other a happy Ascension Day. Why would we want to celebrate the Ascension? Why would we want to celebrate the day Jesus leaves us. And so we are coming to grips with the reality that our relationship with this risen Christ is going to be different from here on out. There's a new struggle, a new reality, a new state of being we must all come to grips with. Last week, my colleague Tammy and I were talking 
how appropriate it is for Ascension Day to fall at the end of an academic year. Next week, we as a community will gather in the Luce Center to celebrate the accomplishments of our fellow seminarians. But for others of us, we will have trouble celebrating. Because as degrees are being conferred, moving boxes are being packed. Vans and U-Hauls will swarm into Wilmore, and painful goodbyes will be spoken. Our fellow seminarians have become so much more than just classmates. They have become treasured friends. They have become our neighbors. They are our children's babysitters. We have grown with them. We have done life with them. And so we are in this season where we struggle to come to grips with a new reality, a new state of being, a new normal. So maybe this day on Ascension Day, our call is not to celebrate, but to live fully into the struggle to understand the ascension and the struggle to celebrate it. It's not easy to wrestle and to struggle with a new reality. When we are faced with it, we are tempted to do the very thing the disciples did, to stay put, to stand still, and to stare up. It's easy to stare up and avoid the struggle around us, the new normal around us. It's easy to stand still and say, oh Jesus, we just want to praise you. It's easy to stand still and stare up, especially when we have newly renovated chapels and fancy new hymnals with silver embossed covers. But just when we start to stand still and stare up, then we will hear the message of the two men in white robes, whoever they may have been, speak their message to us loudly and clearly. As Barians, why are you standing here looking up? The same Jesus who you saw go from you unexpectedly, unanticipated, will again come to you in unexpected and unanticipated ways. The invitation then for us as an ascension people of God is not to stand still and look up, but to look around. Look around us and see all the people God has brought into our lives in this community, in our churches, and beyond. And as we do, we will begin to see the presence of this risen and ascended Christ in them, through them, as them. And as we do, as we do life with them and hear their stories and see their faces, we will encounter Christ in ways we cannot shake off. How can we shake off Encountering Christ in the woman in our community who now has a strained relationship with her family because they do not support her in her 
answering her call to ministry? How can we shake off the student in our community who is struggling with addiction? How can we shake off the parents who struggle day in and day out to make ends meet, to put, table, to put food on the table for their children? Think about our churches. How can we shake off the women pastors who struggle to go into the office knowing that one-third of their denomination does not support them in ministry. I am thrilled that with Resolve, my female clergy friends are standing up and nevertheless she preaches. How can we shake off the gay millennial who comes to our churches and sits in our offices and tells us, I have finally found in this church community, a place where I can be me and not feel like I am an issue to be resolved. How can we shake off the young Syrian Muslim student who visits our communities just to see what we do? But in a moment of hungering and thirsting for community, makes his way down the center aisle to receive the bread and the wine in the Eucharist. What are we going to do? Are we going to be stingy and hold it back? And keep it for ourselves? Or are we going to look at him with the eyes of Christ's love and say, this is the body and the blood of Christ given for you? Don't look up. Look around. See the kingdom of God being made manifest in ways you may not even want or expect. See the kingdom of God rising up in Habitat for Humanity builds in Guatemala. See the kingdom of God in the rebuilding efforts in Puerto Rico. See the kingdom of God on the faces of the 63.5 million refugees throughout this world. Will we live in that kingdom? Will we see Christ in His glory on their faces? Or will we prefer a kingdom where we have the power where we have the influence, where we hold cultural sway, where we always in the name of Christian orthodoxy make our voices heard while never giving a second thought to those whose voices are never heard. No. Christ's ascension calls us to see His power and His authority, His fulfillment of all things, and to give up ours. The author of Ephesians reminds us that God has put all things into subjection under Christ's feet. And if God has put all things into subjection under Christ's feet, then it is never acceptable or never appropriate to put anyone or anything or any group under our feet. 
When we want the power, when we want the influence, when we want our voices heard, and we want cultural sway, then we have completely failed to live out our calling as an ascension people of God. Instead, Christ calls us to show the world just how high, how broad, how deep, how long God's love really is. For Christ is the fulfillment, the fullness of everyone in every place. As we learn to say in IBS, I observe that the author's scope is inclusive. (laughs) Because God's scope is always inclusive. Everyone in every place means everyone in every place. And as we show this radical, all-embracing love of God to the world, then, and only then, will we find Christ's fulfillment in our lives and in the ministries to which we have been called. And so, we wait. We wait and we anticipate our Pentecost celebrations where we remember being empowered with the Holy Spirit, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit still today to do so, to live in that fullness and to bring that fullness and wholeness to all people. So, my brothers and sisters, our call this day may not be to fully understand the ascension. It may not be to celebrate it. But it is to live fully into it. Not by looking up, but by looking around, seeing all the people, seeing Christ in them and serving Christ in them. May we do so faithfully this day and every day. God bless you. Asbury Theological Seminary. Amen.